I think everyone needs a coach. I mean, mentorship and guidance have been incredibly crucial in our development as a company. So I thought I'd introduce you to some amazing coaches as part of this special series of Meet My Business. So in today's episode of Meet My Business, we're chatting to Francisco Macero. We're going to be talking about his business, how he mentors and helps young musicians, and all about his personal history with mentorship and coaching. So uh, Francisco, could you introduce yourself and uh, what you and your company do? Of course, yeah. So yeah, I'm Francisco Macedo. I did a PhD in mathematics, so I started my career very technical in the beginning. I worked actually in the biggest sports betting company in the world. Then I moved to crypto, so I was working for blockchain.com. Uh, basically, my job was to really manage money. So I was managing 300 million for blockchain.com at some point, which has been quite overwhelming at times. So then I started working with a coach in 2020. I kind of changed perspective about where my life was going. So rather than being that person that just wants more and more in terms of the financial side, no power, everything, I started to think more of what I actually wanted to do with my life. And so yeah, I transitioned to being CEO of a startup business that tries to help basically musicians to get more visibility and also more instant monetization, which is still missing, even though we have all these, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, etc. So yeah, that's the, the business I'm running now. And at the same time, I've, I'm still active in terms of mentoring, teaching, so teaching different types of people, you know, trying to get kind of traction in their careers. And I'm also doing trading investing still. And on the other side, I'm also trying to launch something on teaching people about financial literacy, which is something I'm a specialist on. And I really think people need help understanding. And so, yeah, I've seen a lot of interest from people around me and I just thought, why not, you know, giving it back to the world since I learned so much on these fields, you know, because I was in the right place in the end. You said that coaching kind of changed your perspective on life. Could you maybe tell us that story, how you went from, you know, the world of, you said you went from the world of crypto to your own startup, it's, it's quite a drastic shift. So maybe take us through that story. Yeah. To summarize that part about my past, basically the sports betting, the crypto, all of this is all about trading, right? So it's all about optimizing money. So all you see in your life when you are working on this type of business is really, I want to make as much money as possible, right? And that's really how I was kind of brought up. I was supposed to be this child prodigy on maths and I just did a lot of mental reasoning very quickly, you know, so I was doing a lot of calculations and it was impressive for my parents or the parents of my friends. And so you start to get these kind of expectations around you. And so I just really focused in the beginning on, as I said, getting more money, more power, being the best professional possible, et cetera. And in 2020, there was a friend of mine who just came to me in the company in blockchain.com. He said, yeah, by the way, I have a coach. Do you want to just talk to him for a bit? You know, it's about life changing, you know, the perspectives that we have for life and everything. And so I, I tried it out. To be completely transparent and honest, I was just going there because I wanted to be a better leader, to improve even more, to be even more dominant, you know? And so it was really with the right mindset in the beginning. But as I, as I, the weeks went by and I worked with him for quite a while, basically I just started to be challenged on the basic paradigms I had over my life, you know, why I was giving all my life to work and just, you know, optimizing the amount of time I was spending in front of a, a screen rather than trying to focus on my real life. And the, the, even this basic fact that I love to sing, I've always loved to sing, but I never even thought or even considered a career in music because it seemed impossible, right? It seemed like a hobby, like that's not to make money. So I wouldn't do that. No, it's impossible. And then I was just challenging myself on that, why I didn't pursue a bit more, even as a hobby, like to sing a bit more, to have more fun and enjoy more things rather than just being obsessive about the career growth. And as time went on, I just started to think if I have this entrepreneur mentality and everything, 
why don't I just start my own business and actually try to help people rather than try to optimize, make money, right? And that's really where everything changes. And that's why I started to think about stage, right? So it's a business where we help musicians, you know, try to launch their career and everything. But at the same time, not only that, but when I quit my last company, I just start to work with people that were kind of not lost, but trying to get them guidance on their professional path and everything. And so I just spent hours and hours talking to people. I mean, people could even consider that mentoring or counseling or whatever. But for me, it was just a natural conversation. And I, I was having that with a lot of different people, not just musicians, but people in general. So it's not directly related with the app. And so, yeah, I do think I've, I've been kind of shifting the minds of some people and trying to give them as much of a broad perspective of life as I can. And, you know, trying to change that paradigm of like, you get as much money as possible right away. Or, I mean, even as a, as the person who wants to make money, it's not the right first step in the career to just try to make money right away. Right. So yeah, I think it's all about just learning and just, you know, trying to be in touch with the right people. Not, not because of, you know, being good connections in terms of papers or whatever. It's literally because the more people, you know, the more you can change your perspectives and like really learn more about yourself even. And so, yeah, that's been kind of the big shift. So it took a while and it's still ongoing because it never finishes this type of work that we do on ourselves. But I think it changed a lot of my perspective of life, yeah. Yeah, so when you started going through the shifts and started rethinking what you wanted from life, I, I can imagine that it might have been quite a difficult process at first to undo some of the thought patterns and stuff that you had. Like, did you, did you struggle at first changing your mentality? I didn't change at first. I still struggle today. <laughs> so basically, all these things, what happens is usually what I always say to people is that awareness comes first and then the action of changing the habits and paradigms comes after, right? So basically, you first start by understanding, okay, I'm doing this wrong. No, I'm giving all my life to work. I'm, you know, waking up at the wrong time, whatever, like all these habits that we have that are kind of intrinsic. But then when you think, okay, I want to change this, there's the whole different player where you want to change the habit that you have for 30, 40 years, right? And I've been studying a bit of neuroscience on this front. And yeah, of course, the patterns that our brain has takes time and takes effort and habits to just replace them. And so even if you know exactly what you want to do with your life, you're still going to tend to do the things the wrong way because that's how you always defend it, right? And so I do think one of the main questions I had for my coach in the first five, six months was, okay, so now I'm very aware. When does it actually change? Because I'm still doing all the wrong things, you know? So it's quite interesting because it's reflected also in the fact that you can advise people very well, but when it comes to yourself, you are a total mess, right? <laughs> because you can always say, oh, that thing's definitely wrong with you. But then when you see it in yourself, even if you know you're doing it wrong, you just struggle to change it, right? And so, and reinforcing habits and everything, I think is really the, the only way, you know, you just need to define what's good for you and then just try to change it. Because even if you know exactly what's correct, sometimes you just do the wrong thing. From those habits and mindset shifts that you've had to change, could you perhaps share one or two very specific ones that you've worked on that you've maybe or are still busy working on? Yes, yes. So I think the main one for me is that because of, as I said, the child prodigy, et cetera, you, you just work like crazy and you just feel like your life was made for a purpose of objectives and being the best you can, right? And so you don't think about humanity, you don't think about, you know, spending time with friends, spending time with family, just really optimize goals, you know, that's really my struggle. And so when my coach told me the first time, you should like at lunchtime, you should stop for half an hour and literally do nothing, you know, just kind of go for a walk, you know, just enjoy life, things, smell things, you know, <laughs> taste things, whatever. I was like, what are you saying? I mean, that's the waste of time. And that was the first time that it, it happened. And then when I came back from doing it, I was so stressed because I was like, oh my God, I wasted all this time. I mean, I, I need to go back to work. And then it was like, 
are you joking? I mean, that was the first thing you did this week that was actually relevant because it was the first time you tried to change a paradigm that you have and tried to change the habit that you have. And this thing kind of took some months to really <laughs> just chip in and know, but when I really thought deeply about it, I was like, wow, that, that thing was really deep because, you know, all the things I was doing automatically thinking I was being so efficient, so productive, etc. There was just a repetition of habits that were just, you know, useless in the sense that I was not improving as a person because I was just doing the same all over again, you know. And so, yeah, that 30 minute habit, I think changed a lot. And of course, over time, the meditations and everything is something I introduced. So usually I do 45 minutes per day of meditation nowadays. And, and yeah, it was a struggle to even kind of make sure that my brain was not thinking of all the things I was going to do next, <laughs> rather than just being in the present, you know? And so, yeah, I think being in the present is a, a big, big challenge for me. And it still is, you know, every time I have a goal, every time I'm excited about some piece of work I have to do, I just let my, leave my life behind and just focus on that. And sometimes in an obsessive way, I don't even enjoy what I'm doing. I'm just trying to get it done, get it done, you know? And that's still there. Yeah, for sure. But I just try to develop mechanisms to fight it and just to be able to know when it's triggering and just try to, you know, do something else. For example, singing or something. Sometimes, you know, that you just stop for five minutes and you sing a bit. And for me, it works very well. And so it's, it's completely crazy. Yeah. But it's, that's the thing. You need to just kind of play with your brain the way that he plays with you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> One thing that's really surprising for me is how difficult it can be to relax sometimes. You, you think it's easy, but when you keep going and keep going and keep going, you get to a point where like you actually really have to schedule relaxation time sometimes, or you have to like really make an effort to do nothing, which seems so counterintuitive, but I'm sure a lot of people relate to that. No, agree. Agree. I wouldn't say it's most people, but I think, for example, my paradigm is, I think it's that there's not enough time, right? I'm worried about legacy, about building something, about building something special. And I'm always counting the time. I'm always thinking, oh my God, my life's going to be over anytime, you know? And so instead of thinking my life can be over tomorrow, so I should enjoy it, I think my life can be over tomorrow, so I need to get things done, you know? And I think a lot of us have that paradigm, right? And so in society, people know that there's harm in being an alcoholic or a drug addict, etc. but people don't see the harm in being a workaholic. And I think if you analyze the amount of people who achieved something, but at the expense of being miserable and just, you know, trying to produce, 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 and not actually thinking of their own lives, and in this century, I think that's going to be the major shift that's going to happen. You are not going to have leaders just want to be tough and to be showing that they have no emotions, but rather people want to get the others involved. And the more vulnerable you are, the stronger you show you are, which is the opposite from what people thought before, right? Because if a leader can be so vulnerable that it trusts that even if people see their vulnerability, they're not going to try to explore it and just try to take advantage of it, then it's because this person's strong, right? Not that someone tries to pretend they are very strong and very tough, you know, because yeah, for me, that's superficial. And I think being workaholic, it's just, you know, one of those things that's, that's a bit like, you know, the mental health paradigms, like people just didn't think it made any sense or, or it could be something relevant. But I think most of those sides, you know, like making sure people are not overworking and they have space for creativity and to build the business. Because even personally, I spend so much time executing stuff that sometimes I struggle to plan and to just make a proper, you know, <laughs> plan of what my future is going to look like. Because because if you just keep spending your life executing, 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 you just don't have that time to just take a step back and think, you know. And so even for the meditations, I think that's a, a very important time I spend sometimes just really thinking about, yeah, what I'm doing, direction I'm going. And and yeah, for sure. I think the inability to relax is one of those things that's like a paradigm we have in our lives. You know, it's usually I was made for work. I was made to collect salary and just go back to it next month. Even for me, I was making money on trading for a long time. And even though I had clearly independence because I was earning more on my side rather than with a salary, 
I was still feeling like I had this, I needed to be in the company because I felt more secure. I felt like we are kind of victims of institutionalization, right? Because we just think if we don't have a company that takes care of us, we are lost, you know? And for me, I had more than enough money. I was still working for someone just for the sake of it. And at the same time, I was working as if I had no money and I was dependent on it, you know? Like I was just working like crazy seven days a week. And I guess in the end, it comes down to also kind of personal security, you know? If you, if you just feel that you need validation, that you feel people to, that you need people to like you and everything, that's lead, gonna lead to all of this, you know, this dependency and this kind of wanting to show your boss that you are the best and, you know, just doing life, life behind your work and, yeah, there's just so many paradigms we have that I think the, the inability to relax comes from across of all these paradigms, to be honest. That's super fascinating. And I genuinely think so many people are struggling with the exact same issue. So, okay, getting on to our next discussion then, um, mm -hmm. your startup and the whole shift that you've taken has led you to this like hyper creative endeavor, something that's actually quite different to what you're doing previously. Let's talk a bit about your company, you know, what it does and how you're busy helping musicians. So the idea was, well, it was not just mine, of course. So me and a friend of mine is a singer. We kind of thought for a long time we had to work together because we both have this mentality of creating things and being entrepreneurs and, you know, just trying to make a difference in the world. And him being a singer and me being someone who actually is singing now, like as a part-time, you know, just a hobby, of course, but being so passionate about it, we just thought it should be about music. And then the fact that really made us frustrated was the fact that artists don't really monetize right now. So they are creating these amazing pieces of art. They are creating these things that are just, you know, they're just changing millions of people's lives, right? Because if you listen to a song that touches you and that makes you vulnerable, that makes you cry, it's improving your mental health. It's improving your health overall, right? And so why do these people not get the money that they should get, right? Because of these middlemen, because of all these agencies that are actually taking all the money. So artists end up not getting the money they deserve and the recognition also. But the recognition, I think, is changing a bit because, of course, before the labels would pick everything that goes to the radios and stuff. But nowadays you have the Spotify's, you have the YouTube. So people can actually get visibility without, you know, the labels, which is a good thing. But the monetization is still a problem. Like Spotify, YouTube, they still get most of the money, right? So the artist ends up showing the work to millions of people and gets no money to even leave from, you know? And that was really the thing that we thought, this is unfair, like, we need to change this, you know? So... For me, rather than aiming to become, say, my professional at singing or whatever, I felt like my mission would actually be to help the ones that are creating those pieces of art and, and, and just really make sure that they earn properly. You know, I think that, that can create a lot more difference than if I just started singing by myself, you know, and try to create something there. Of course, I still sing and I love it, but yeah, I, I just saw the world in a different way. And I just really wanted to scale something that could help millions. And so, yeah, we created this app so the artists and users can enter this app. So it's a bit of a TikTok-like experience, but people can enter as a user or as an artist. And if you enter as an artist, you can apply yourself for competitions, like in The Voice or American Idol, X Factor, etc. And then the users can vote for you, right? So you can progress through the rounds, same format, right? So the more votes you get, the more you progress to the next rounds. But the difference is that 30% of the money that's voted for the artist is going to go to the artist directly, right? So imagine The Voice. People will take their phone, they vote 60 cents or whatever, depends on the country. For each vote, they pay like almost a euro, right? With us, people who vote a euro, they give 30 cents to the artist, right? So it's very different from nowadays where the artist sees nothing, right? There's no money coming in. Even the person who wins the whole thing, the voice, American Idol, they get some, you know, thing where they can learn a bit about music. They can go two or three weeks to an intensive course and just, but then they are usually connected to a label and they cannot leave it, you know? So they are kind of exclusively bounded, you know? And so the freedom doesn't really exist and the financial freedom even less, right? And 
for us, yeah, it's just to free the artists in a way. And so just to make sure that the people who deserve to make money, they actually are going to make it, right? And avoid a bit the middleman. Because there's definitely parts that are important about the middleman. So agencies manage the career of the artists in terms of the PR, in terms of, you know, different things that they need. But at the same time, they just charge too much for it. And the artist doesn't even understand, doesn't see an option, right? And, and that's our idea, yeah. So we launched the app last week, actually. And for now, we are just really trying to get a lot of artists and, and show them what they can gain from this. And then, of course, they're going to hopefully bring their fan base and everything. And once their fans start to vote for them, they make money directly, which is, yeah, it's the best scenario because it's a win-win-win. Like the artists get helped, like the person get actually supports the, the career of the artist as they want. And at the same time, of course, like it's, it's, it's good for both sides in that sense and for the company, because of course we, in order to survive, of course, you're going to take part of that, those proceedings, but you know, we just, in order to scale more to reinvest in the business. So, you know, that's the, that's the ideal scenario. I love that. What is the name of the app and how can people get all of it? Yeah. So uh, the app is called Stage. So the first version, the pilot version we did was just for iOS. So for now it's just for iPhone. It was easier with Apple and we thought if we try it with Apple and everything works smoothly, we prove the concept, then we can expand to others and, you know, have a more third-party payment systems and stuff like that, which are more complex, but at least test the concepts first. But yeah, you can find as stage music competitions in the, in the Apple store. If people want to be artists, but they don't have an iPhone, we also created a web app that can be used for people to just submit their videos and they can be in a competition even without having a profile through an iPhone. So that's something that we thought was relevant because, of course, we want to be, be allow every artist to show their work. The other restriction is on the person, the people who vote need to have an iPhone for now. That's the only thing. It's such an amazing thing you're doing because I know as someone who has worked on music and put out music, how much of a grind it is. You put in hours and hours and hours of your life, you know, your blood, sweat and tears and this artistic endeavor that will most likely not give you money, at least from the music itself. You have to monetize through gigs and through merch and through all of those things. And if you don't have a fan base yet, it's really hard to do so. And I mean, even the artists that have millions of streams on these big platforms are getting like, like a fraction, a fraction of a fraction of a cent uh, per stream. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you're like directly monetizing. And I think that the competition route is a really interesting one. It's not something that I've actually seen in this space before, at least it's not in the form of an app, as you said, usually in the form of TV shows. Um, and I think it's bringing that concept into a new age as well. So uh, one final point of discussion I'd like to talk about is, so if you look at your journey, you went from being in the financial sector, going through coaching and, you know, a mindset shift, starting your own company, starting your own platform. And now part of this has also been slowly but surely mentoring musicians, mentoring the kinds of people that you want to work with now. How has that been for you and what kind of you know, experiences have you, have you been having as a mentor? The fun part about mentoring is that from the moment you are able to teach something, that's when you really kind of understand that you, that you got the concept, right? So for example, if I go to my mentor and he teaches me something and I try to apply it, I start to do all these things until the moment I can actually pass it to someone else and I can really allow people to use it. I think I'm not doing my job. And the first session I had with my mentor in 2020, he told me one day, you're going to either be a mentor or be like a leader. And I was like, ah, nah, I'm going to be a leader. I don't want to be a mentor. I mean, that, that's boring. And then I realized over time how that's, that's really part of it, right? So if you want to be a proper leader, you really have to be a mentor, right? Because everyone around you needs to be kind of brought up in a way, you know, kind of thought about a lot of things. And I really think the, the best definition of leader is someone who is ready to create other leaders, right? So you want to allow other people around you to grow and to understand the point of view you have and to really mature the way that you did and just try to pass all that information. 
And if you start to create leaders like you, then that's when you are a good leader in the end. And so the mentoring started very, very, very informally, as I said, right? So when I was about to leave blockchain, I had a couple friends, close friends that I had some weekly calls and stuff, just discuss, you know, their career path, like how they thought of their lives, like, you know, all their habits, what could change, you know? I've always been very obsessed with calendars and habits and everything. So of course, some people took kind of me as a reference in terms of, just in the sense of planning things properly, you know, like how to split time over their week, you know, and just really not waste time on things that were not material because time is limited. I always say that, you know, time is the, the most important thing because it's the most limited thing we have, right? And so, yeah, I just started to have these conversations. And of course, as time went on, I started to meet some artists because of the platform, because of the app. I started to get in touch with them, not just in the sense of, you know, there's this app, I'm going to help you with this, but also just, you know, giving them advice for their career and everything, right? So in a way, I did the work that the label should be doing, which is, you know, like advising the artists optimally in terms of what steps it should take and everything. And so, yeah, I have a couple of artist friends who just, you know, take my advice, but more in the sense of, you know, yeah, financially and how to progress, you know, in different ways on their career and make decisions because typically artists sometimes are a bit more creative and less rational about the decisions on the career and everything. It's not all the case for all of them, of course. But sometimes this can happen. And I think it's really important to have someone that's more kind of, you know, biased towards the over-rationalization and overthinking, just like I am. And yeah, it has been quite interesting because you also get to see different personalities, see how different people think differently than you. Because before, for me, it was like, either you are very rational or or it doesn't make sense. Why are you not rational? And right now I see that there's left brain, right brain people. And it's really amazing to coordinate to just, for me, it's fascinating because I can, I managed to start working with artists closely that I see their potential and not just look at them and say, oh, you're different from me. So I don't, no, I don't like that. No, you need to just embrace these differences and just think, okay, if this is different from me, then I can learn something from here. Right. And so even the being more human, you know, being more emotional and allowing myself to be vulnerable, that also comes from inspiration of different people that I've been in touch with all these years, right? So I see mentoring as a, a two-edged sword, right? Because on the one hand, you are teaching in theory, that's the, the definition, the content, but at the same time, you're always learning, right? Because you hear from different experiences, different people, different personalities. You just get to learn even more, you know? <laughs> and so, yeah, it's a never-ending role and we just keep learning. That's the most important part, I think. Just, you need to acknowledge that things change. Things will change. And just, you know, understand that everyone's different. There are different personalities and you just embrace that fact rather than just fighting against, you know, so that's it. Francisco, thank you so much for your time. It's been an incredible interview. I really, really love, genuinely love as someone who is, as I said, a musician, love the work that you're doing. It, it really is refreshing to see someone take this kind of stance for musicians and standing up for the odds. Thank you. If you've been thinking about starting a podcast, but don't really know where to start, go to our website, Baird.media. That's B-A-I-R-D dot media. You can find the book, Become a Podmaster, everything you need to know to master the art of podcasting. And you can also sign up to one of our mentorship programs where we help you figure out, develop and produce your show from start to finish.